Welcome to episode 1038 of The Sleeper in the Bust. I am Justin Mason, joined by Jason Collette. Jason, how you doing? Uh, I've been better health-wise, but I'm happy to be back. Uh, I had to miss last week because I was doing an NL-only draft. Uh, I had to draft for two different people. Two different people couldn't make it. And so I was trying. And the funny thing is, both guys were named Jeff. So I had to do two different Jeffs. Then I had to go by their last name. So put together two teams. Uh, but the cool part is we uh, uh, we're at the Winston Salem Dash Stadium. It's one of a million truest parks around here. So um, I forget if they're truest field or truest park. But for a, for a ball stadium, extremely impressive. Extremely impressive. So looking forward to going to a game there now um, that I've been there. But uh, last night went to the Canapolis Cannonballers. Um, it was 45 degrees. It actually snowed a little um, as we were walking in. So, yeah, that was not what we expected when we booked this family. I mean, because it was my brothers and we had everybody. We had 10 of us uh, and we left in the six. We just couldn't take anymore. It was also 14 to five at that point. Uh, so um, offense is not happening in the major league level. And we'll talk about that. But it was certainly happening last night in the minor league level. Uh, that sounds pretty brutal. I, I've never been to a game that had snow. That's um, that's that's a new experience. Well, it was it looked, it, the forecast. It called for a little bit, like a blow through of rain. And I walked outside, and I'm stepping out, and all of a sudden, I'm like, "Holy hell, this is sleet!" Uh, and sure enough, it was. You could see it. I was like, and then it happened again during the game for a couple of uh, minutes. So it's just, you know, it's just unusual. Was not expecting that. Yeah, um, but I'm, I mean, glad the park uh, or glad the game was fun while you were able to hang in there for it. Uh, we are going to talk about uh, some two start pitchers uh, and we're going to talk about some closing situations, kind of get some, you know, uh, brief thoughts on those. And we're going to move pretty quickly today uh, so that way Jason can get ready for his upcoming vacation that he is going to be going on heading so, to florida monday yeah monday um which is tomorrow as you're as we're recording um going to tropicana field uh, as a family nice. thursday for the first time and oh man i can't maybe since we left florida uh, i've taken the kids once since we left but as a whole family we haven't been in ages so i'm looking forward to that should be plenty of elbow room with a day game against oakland you know but uh, I don't care. I'll be there. I'll have a good time. You know, there couldn't have asked as, as a Rays fan, couldn't have asked for a better opening schedule with three against Baltimore and four against Oakland. So keep ponying up on those. Those will be fun. Yep. Uh, let's hit some uh, quick news. Uh, and then I want to get your take on a Rays player because you are our Rays correspondent. Um, but Lucas Giolito is going to hit the IL uh, today with an oblique, or they're, they're calling it. I think uh, abdominal or side tightness. This is sounds like an oblique strain. Uh, he's expected to miss two starts. How worried are you on Lucas Giolito now? A, he's not going to miss two starts. He's going to miss more, and we all know this. Mm -hmm. So that's the that's the one thing. Um, B, I, it's I only have him on AL Tout Wars and my RotoWire Online Championship. No big deal. You know, no yeah, big deal I, I only have him in the main event. Yeah, no big deal. Uh, seriously, I expected him to miss more than two starts, and you should too. And if he doesn't, if he only misses two, then okay. But mindset-wise, we talk about this all the time on this podcast. Put yourself in the mindset. Double what the first thing is you hear. Uh, and if he comes back earlier, great. I hope he only misses two starts. Obviously, with where I have him, I need him to only miss two starts. 
but I'm expecting him not to pitch until May. So that's just where I am uh, with that. And uh, go from there. There's a lot of injuries. I mean, we'll talk about another one. The guy hasn't even made it on my team yet. I just fabbed him in labor, and I'm not going to be able to use him yet, my, most likely. It's awful. Yeah. Uh, I, I agree. I think, um, you know, obviously there's nothing actionable. You just got to throw him on your IL or on your, or your reserve list. Uh, but typically these injuries take anywhere from four to six weeks to completely recover from. So, Especially pitchers, uh, because you don't want them. Uh, pitchers, I've I've seen some try to come back early from it, and they've re-injured it. So with pitchers, if, with hitters, even with hitters, it's it's one thing, but particularly pitchers, they have to have that, that core uh, part of it for their delivery. Uh, and when you're doing that same rep, uh, repetitive motion, how many times in a game between warming up, between pitching and all of that, yeah, they have to take caution. And if he misses, I'm like I said, I'm happy if he misses four. Uh, if he needs to take an extra start uh, off, take it off. Uh, don't rush back because if he does it again, then you can guarantee he's going to miss a ton of time, and that would really suck. Yeah, I mean, he looked pretty good in his first start, so the skills are there. Just got to hope the health uh, comes around. But uh, just be prepared. You're, he's going to miss at least, they say two starts, but we're, we're looking at more like four to six. Um Xander Bogarts leaves with a hamstring injury. Uh, no update yet on whether or not this is going to force him to the IL, but just kind of keep this in your mind. It also would mean that Trevor Story would likely move back up the lineup and potentially start playing shortstop, uh, which would uh, kind of lessen the chance that he gets second base eligibility early uh, in the season. He'll get it at some point, but... Uh, just kind of a heads up there. Your guy, AJ Pollock, leaves with a hamstring injury. Uh, how worried are you about this one? And he did it aggressively turning first base, thinking he may be able to go for a, a double on something that, quite frankly, I didn't think looked like a double off the bat. Uh, you know, given his history, worried uh, because you know, he's a that in a, the top, top of, of uh, or near the top more, I forget. But uh, because they had more players or fewer players over there to bid on. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, it's a busy fab week, and I forget which uh, weekends were what. Uh, yeah, I'm worried because it's the player, uh, and I never liked that. Uh, yeah, this is okay. kind of a bummer of news because he, he was, I think, leading off yesterday um, and has been hitting up really high up in the lineup, playing every day. Uh, this is also one of the things that I was a little bit concerned about with Pollock. One, he's just got a long history of, injuries um and the Dodgers did a really really good job of optimizing him and not you know not putting him in situations where he was gonna get hurt not to say that this has anything to do with the White Sox because it's so early in the season but um yeah this is uh this is concerning it seems likely he's gonna miss some time here uh he isn't in the lineup today so we know that he's not um uh he's not playing today we'll see if the uh, the White Sox decide to make a move and put him on the IL, but just keep in mind you may need to pick someone up in your leagues for him. Um, Helio Ramos is going to make his debut today. This is really surprising um, considering that uh, Ramos uh, was not expected to be up uh, in the major leagues for the Giants. Uh, until the summer, uh, uh, Farhan Zaidi, who is the general manager of the Giants, said on uh, or said just I think three or four days ago 
that they expected him to go down to AAA, be down there until uh, the summertime, June or July, and then make his debut. Uh, and so it is a little bit surprising that uh, that he is uh, being called up today. Um, still kind of yet to be determined how much playing time and what the corresponding move is here. Uh, Mauricio Dubon made kind of a bonehead play on the bases uh, the other day, and so he could be the one who's being sent back down, or this could mean an injury. And it's um, a little surprising uh, that they would, it would be a little surprising if they were going to bring up Helio Ramos as a platoon player. Um, and, and so I wonder if this means that there's somebody's hurt. Is Jock Peterson hurt? Or is uh, Yastrzemski hurt? Uh, and that's the reason why. Uh, obviously, uh, we're going to see here in the next couple hours uh, what kind of corresponding move goes uh, along with this. But I can't imagine they're bringing up a guy like Helio Ramos if, uh, if they're not going to play him somewhat regularly. He's the number six uh, prospect in the organization. He doesn't have the same um, prospect... Uh, um, uh, kind of pedigree uh, and hype around him that he did at one point. I mean, at one point he was like moving into like top 50 prospect territory and people were really, uh, really kind of excited uh, for him as a prospect. He's kind of fallen back a little bit uh, in the last couple of years. Um, and it isn't, isn't even considered one of the Giants top five prospects um, at this time. So, uh, I'll be very, very interested to see whether or not uh, or how much Ramos is playing and where the corresponding move kind of is. Um, and Jason has returned. Uh, I, Jason, I was just kind of talking about Hilo Ramos um, and then uh, the Giants bringing him up. Any thoughts on this? Uh, I was a little surprised just because uh, he wasn't expected to be up until the summer. Um, and I don't know what the corresponding move is going to be here, but I'm, I'm wondering if maybe someone like Mike Yastrzemski is hurt. Yeah, I was going to ask, what's the corresponding move? Uh, because I was watching some of the game yesterday, um, and I saw, I didn't see anything happen to Yastrzemski, but I didn't – I was again, I He was also pulled for a pinch runner. Uh, Austin Slater came in and pinch ran for him during the sixth inning. So I don't know if it's that or Mauricio Devon made a really bonehead move. Um, in extras uh, on the base paths. Um, I don't know if they're just huh. sending him down. I just can't imagine they're bringing up a guy like Ramos to be a short side platoon bat. Um, do you think they're bringing Do you even think they're bringing him up to be a starter, though? I mean, yeah, again, just statistically scouting, there, this is an extremely high risk profile. Extremely it, high risk profile. It absolutely is. I just. I don't know why you don't keep him in the minors so he can play every day and really work on that, um, you know, work on the contact skills. Agreed. Uh, especially because I, I mentioned about three or four days ago, um, uh, Farhan Zaidi was uh, asked uh, whether or not or when he was going to be up. And he said he's going to be up sometime in the summer, like June or July. Um, you know, and so it's kind of a, a, a weird move. So I don't know what to make of it. I, I don't know that he is a guy you want to pick up um, in anything outside maybe a 15-team league. 
because uh, they just don't know where the playing time really comes from unless if if Yaz is hurt and and they you know and they put him on the IL today, there's your answer because he could get some yeah. some decent run in right field. Agreed. I guess we'll find out uh, afterwards. Uh, yeah, I, I, to me, I'm, I'm not. It's have to be a super deep league for me to be interested in them. Yeah, uh, Josh looked active lineup this week. But if you're in a league, if you're in a league though, if you're in a league that requires you to start the guys when you pick them up that week, uh, you know that may be worth sitting this one out. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, Josh Lowe has been playing pretty much every day uh, since mm-hmm. getting uh, the call um, after the the Rays made uh, uh, the trade to uh, to kind of open up some room for him. How excited are you about Josh Lowe playing every day right now? Yeah, it's it's funny because I made the joke with one of the guys uh, that I know works for the team. I was like, it's a, it's incredible how much Josh resembles his older brother in both setup and swing. Uh, and he replied, yeah, but he's much more athletic. And I was like, yeah, kind of like me and my my younger brother. My younger brother threw in the 90s in high school. I never <laughs> came close to that, right? Uh, but that's what he does. And it's so you can tell that either you know if their father was their was their swing coach or they had the same swing coach. It's like they look everything looks the same everything uh, with it, and it's crazy. And the other part of it that works is the plate discipline. I've been very impressed with how uh, Josh Lowe has worked deep into counts. He's had several, like four, I think, already in the first two games, four full counts uh, where he's worked or he's worked the worked the count, much like Nathaniel does. Uh, you know, I've, I may have mentioned this here. I know I've written about it, but I tweeted about it recently too from uh, Ray's Metrics. He put a video together, slow hit that he goes for, and you could see the same thing that Nathaniel has. They love low balls. They love going after fastballs down in the zone. A lot of home runs came on pitches down in the zone where Nathaniel got beat, where he continues to get beat, is velocity up. Uh, and you go look at the numbers of, you know, what Nathaniel Lowe has done uh, in five and higher. He was one for his career heading into last year. And then last year, I think he ended up with eight hits. So he's something like 209 for his entire career on velocity in the upper third of the strike zone. Uh, and so I expect if more experienced pitching staffs, that's not Baltimore, uh, but more experienced pitching staffs are going to are going to start looking for that and seeing if younger brother has the same hole uh, with that. I, I would expect him to, but that's not Baltimore. Uh, you know, they'll get they'll get Oakland next, uh, and that's mostly that's mostly not Oakland, but Frankie Montas will be in the, in the series. So you know, he likes to work in that zone up. So that'll be a good start if you want to do some. Home. Multiple people text me about what should I do about well, well I would be aggressive. I mean, it's. He's up to stay. Remember that the team gets incentivized. If Lowe finishes in the top three for rookie of the year, Lowe gets his service time and the Rays get an extra compensatory. They get an extra pick. And so they're incentivized to do it for that. Uh, I don't expect him to go back down. Uh, so I think he's up uh, playing just about every day. Uh, he may get platooned every now and then, or maybe he goes to a, a DH spot as they like to keep everybody fresh uh, with stuff. But we've already seen two games and two different lineups. You know, Yandi let off game one and didn't hit yesterday, last I checked, uh, unless he pinch hit. But you know, we've already seen some of that shuffling around. Harold, Harold Ramirez hit third on opening day. 
Uh, Choi was in there. That's the platoon you can expect, the Ramirez Choi thing. Uh, and then Taylor Walls and uh, Gandhi Diaz, uh, you know, that kind of platoon. Now, it's not a positional platoon as much as the lineup uh, circumstance, but we'll see how all of that goes. Yeah, I, I agree. He was dropped in a number of my leagues last week because uh, for those who, who don't uh, remember, uh, the the move to recall him uh, happened after Fabrian last week. And so there were a lot of people in redraft leagues, once he was uh, once it was announced he was not going to make the major league uh, rotation, uh, that dropped him and moved on to someone else. And so he could be available in, in a number of leagues. He's available, I think, in one of my main events, um, a couple of other uh, leagues. And I'm going to be aggressive because it is not very often we see a young guy come up like this and get the benefit, uh, benefit of pretty close to full-time playing time. And it looks like, you know, from the first few lineups of the race that he's going to benefit and, and potentially be in there full-time. There is risk to the profile. He strikes out uh, quite a bit, but he's got power. He's got speed. And I think he's uh, one of the guys worth taking an early gamble on uh, this year. So uh, can I, get... I have a question though, for those who dropped, for those who dropped him, um, for the first bad period, knowing that this current period that we're in was a very short one. Uh, why? You know, if, if just, just for the the outside chance that this could have happened, because, you know, we knew that Kevin Kierbeier and Austin Meadows were on the trade block. We knew it. Uh, mm -hmm. Now, the fact that they went to Detroit, that was still a bit of a shock, but you know, maybe we should have seen that coming when Riley Green got hurt. Um, but we knew these guys were on the trade block. And with this being a short fad period, uh, you know, Hindsight's twenty twenty, but it's not a move I would have made. Even though, yeah, he plays for my favorite team, whatever. But I still would have taken the chance because most likely people were taking Josh Lowe towards the end of what would be the active, and there's no active mm -hmm. reserve since you can take whenever you want to in the redraft 30, 30 man leagues. But uh, you know, there's a chance people are taking him an active, and then we're just like, oh, he didn't make team. I'll just I'll just dump him and go chase somebody else. Uh, yeah, so that obviously because. My own, actually, no, I'll, we'll put a pin on that because we're talking about that later. But I'll, I'll tell you what I did on a short opening weekend, uh, and I've already benefited from it. Uh, and I, you know, I wouldn't have done it if it wasn't a short weekend, but because it was, you know, I did. And we'll talk about it later. Yeah, I mean, I dropped uh, Vidal Brujan in uh, in a league. We'll see that you, you should, know. though. <laughs> yeah, um, and I mean, that one worked out. I didn't have Josh Lowe anywhere other than uh, a kind of a dynasty format. So, um, I, I obviously didn't drop him there, but like I understand dropping a guy like if 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 he's not going to be up and you don't think he's going to you know he's not going to make the opening roster, you don't think he's going to be up. Um, I think everybody was just a little bit caught off guard. Maybe they shouldn't have been like you mentioned. I mean, Meadows has been on the trade block all off season. There's been talk right. about him going somewhere. So, and we've had a, just a ton of uh, late moves, including opening day moves, which is just something unusual for us. I think some people. A lot of us are just caught off guard kind of by this um, weird offseason because of the lockout. The so. opening day moves, that's the weird stuff. It's like, oh, mm -hmm. hey, Chris Paddock, uh, nope, you're not going to San Diego. Mm -hmm. Pack your winter gear. You're going to, you're going to Minnesota for, uh, now. So, yeah, yep. it was – Screw everybody. Robert really Suarez uh, shares, yeah. Um, let's, uh, yeah. let's talk some two-start no pitchers. Uh, we have Daniel Lynch is uh, got a two-start – uh, versus or at Seattle and then versus Detroit. Any interest in picking up a Daniel Lynch? You know, not really. But I would say 
you know, when you look at, I don't know if, if folks, you know, you may be freaking out a little bit about your, your fantasy team uh, after two mm -hmm. days. And if you're not, you know, if you are, you know, you spent all this time all winter inv invested in your fantasy team and they get out to a stumbling start. You're like, oh, my God, this sucks. My season's over. Right. Um, if you're freaking out about your team's batting average, understand the entire league is hitting 222 right now. The yeah. entire league. It's awful. Uh, uh, and last year, I tweeted this out yesterday. Last year in April, the league hit 232. Um, so we thought last year was bad. It's even worse this year. Uh, and I know there have been some crazy games like the Toronto-Texas on opening night uh, on Friday night, right? But for, uh, on the whole, I mean, yesterday we had a one nothing game uh, that ended in the 10th inning with uh, Mondesi uh, walking it off, right? Uh, so we've had this we've had this crazy uh, – we've had a, the swing, uh, the whole pendulum of, of games, if you will, right? The league's hitting two. Now, the good news is they're not striking out as much, though. The strikeout rate's twenty three and a half percent, which is which is decent uh, compared to what it has been, and and they're taking their walks. They're just not getting hits. Uh, and I, I and I say this because the you know this could be a year of a pitcher, uh, and uh, because we may see runs, but we may not see them off home runs. Because the other thing uh, you'll recall about this time last year that uh, Ben Lindbergh and Rob Arthur, uh, Rob, yeah, Rob Arthur authored a piece uh, at the Ringer talking about uh, you know what's up with the offense and looking at the baseball. And this is when they initially cited Dr. Willis uh, about some of the work that she was starting that we then later learned in the summer uh, about. So they talked about a particular metric in that that said, "Hey, this is uh, home run like home runs per contact," and the formula for that is home runs divided by divided by at-bats minus strikeouts. So you're basically saying all the balls that are put in play, how many of them are, how many of them are becoming home runs? Uh, and they looked at it. There's an article I tweeted about it a few days ago. Um, you can find it for the show notes. But there's a, it talks about how the, the spring training and the uh, regular season rates mostly line up, uh, right? And so I'd I've looked at the last couple of years. And this is something right now I'm tracking daily because – over the last couple of years, I've learned and looking at the data within 10 days, within 10 games, we pretty much know what type of season it's going to be for home runs. Uh, the data holds up really well on this. So the home run to contact metric in spring training has continued on a upward uh, trend uh, the last since I looked at 2015 to this season. And remember, you know, in Arizona, we don't have the humidors in play. Uh, we have extreme friendly environments in Arizona. For the most part, we even have them in Florida because most of these stadiums are on the coast and they have the sea breezes blowing them in. I mean, how else did you explain Higashioka hitting seven home runs, Mickey Moniak hitting six home runs? I mean, come on, guys. Uh, so that's happening. But this home run to contact over the regular season now has gone down every year since Happy Fun Ball of 2019. So it went down a little in 2020. It went down a little in 21, and right now, as play starts on Sunday morning, it is the lowest it has been in six years. It is 3.77%. And to frame that, last year it was 4.96. It was 5.3%. And so this is something I'm looking at daily. I even went back and looked at April as a whole. Went to, the, you know, went to our uh, splits leaderboard and said, hey, show me what April looks like on the whole. Uh, and it's, you know, you don't get much of a rebound over the course of a month. Uh, and so this is something to watch closely. This is what my next Rotowire article is going to be on 
but last year I wrote this same article. It, it kind of sucked because you know Ben and, and Rob's article was awesome, and it came out the day after mine did behind the paywall at Rotowire. Uh, right, but uh, and they use this metric. I use. I was looking at something different, but overall, it's it was still good information. But again, this holds up really well, and we should know early. And when I wrote that article last year, I said, "Okay, we're on pace for about 6,200 home runs," and we finished with um, we finished with uh, 59.44 last year. So we didn't even break the 6,000. And early on, we thought we were pacing the 6,200. Uh, and so, if this rate keeps up, we can see even offense is going to look like because in spring training, we saw fewer home runs, but we saw more runs on the whole because there were more doubles and triples and, and guys getting on uh, guys getting on base. The collective ERA of the uh, of all the staffs was kind of stupid. I mean, it was when I wrote the uh, the piece that I wrote at uh, RotoWire this week. I want to see exactly the, what I cited, but the uh, the uh, ERA, the collective ERA in spring training was was pretty bad this year uh, because where all the runs were coming from. Uh, but it, again, it's just something to think of as a whole. Is I know we're talking about two start pitchers here, but I just want everybody to understand it's 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 a weird. It's a weird situation for offense right now because ball's just not going anywhere for home runs. And so you may want to take some more risk on some of these. Said getting back, back to your question, no on Daniel Lynch. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I, th I think I'm – I mean, if you're in a really deep league, I can understand it. It's uh, two starts against offenses you're not terribly worried about um, in good home parts. But – I just feel like there's so many there's so many two star guys because we're you know teams are playing pretty full schedules next week. Yeah, but the other thing is there's not a lot of good two star like quality like Zach Wheeler's got two starts this week. That's great, but yeah. there's not a lot of like front line guys getting two starts this week. So we're you know Robbie Ray is one, but for the most part we're not getting a lot of quality two start weeks. So it's then you maybe I'm just lucky because it feels like when I look at my lineups this week. I'm not having to stream a whole bunch uh, for for two start guys. Maybe because uh, you have I, a bunch of four, you have a bunch of four starters. That's why. Yeah, I, I, do, have, have I do have a, you have a bunch of four I do, starters. <laughs> I do have a bunch of four starters on a lot of teams. Uh, Matt Manning versus Boston versus Kansas City. I don't want to have anything to do with this one. I know Manning looked good in uh, in <laughs> spring, but uh, starting off versus Boston and Kansas City isn't a walkover lineup anymore. Any interest in? Uh, uh in matt manning no 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 hard pass uh i would if he can get through this uh maybe next time around we'll see what his two-step looks like but not this one and like you said with kansas yeah. city it's a little different uh i mean yeah yesterday you st louis yeah st louis handled them that was the game yesterday right it was st louis versus kc or am i wrong um no i don't think no, it, was, it, was white, it, I think it was white Sox and KC, yeah never mind. but mm -hmm. it's been that's been a well-played series for the most part but low scoring uh, in that regard, yeah. so but still, yeah, no, it was it was uh, still it was Cle Cleveland versus uh, um, Cle Cleveland versus Kansas City. I uh, went one nothing in the team. that's what because I watched the opening day. It looked it looked rather miserable on opening day there, mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, no, nothing. There's still too much talent in that lineup. By the way, that that play Bobby Witt made yesterday to cut out cut down the run at home. Oh my god, dude! Wow, yeah. <laughs> he's gonna. I mean. He's already right. I mean, we're only what like three games in, or probably two games in for them, um, you know. And he's been very exciting to watch so far. He's going to be a really, really fun player. He needs to see the adjustments in game. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. you can see the adjustments in game because I watched that opening day and his first couple of plate appearances, man. Uh, uh, but I was going to say, you can see the adjustments in game because his first two at bats, he was getting pitched, uh, you know, kind of up and then sliders low and away and he couldn't lay off them. Uh, but then his final at bat, when he drove in the game winning run, uh, he, you know, you could see he made the adjustment quick and was like, oh, I'm going after this one now. Uh, and so it was, it was encouraging to see that kind of, yeah, that kind of plate maturity uh, from him. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's been really, really impressive. It makes me very bummed that I did not get him in any leagues this year. Um, the price just got uh, out of hand uh, for me. So, uh, but I'm I, uh, definitely going to be a guy that I'm I'm regretting not having on at least one team uh, at, during the season. Um, Zach Thompson of Pittsburgh uh, has got an interesting two-step. He's at St. Louis and then home versus Washington. Any interest there? Uh, that's not a bad one. Mm-hmm. And and when I say that's not a bad one, I'm talking like 15-team mixed. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'd be willing to take the chance on it uh, with the understanding that uh, he may not – but yeah, you know, I get. It. I would say I would preface this with a lot of guys, and we're already seeing it this weekend. Not too many guys are qualifying for wins. Uh, there's been a lot of pitching by committee, uh, for the most part. Now, like guys like Manaya and Darvish look fantastic, and some guys have gone to six. Uh, I think we've seen one guy go seven. I think I, mm-hmm. I forget. Uh, so, uh, but not not too many are doing that. Guys are getting pulled at four, four and two thirds. McClanahan was not happy about getting yanked to sixty eight pitches. I wanted him to throw one more pitch, uh, but yeah, he was not happy uh, with that. Uh, and some other guys uh, as well, but there's been a lot of pitching by committee. So if you're trying to forecast wins, understand that most of these guys are not going to get the full five because that's what we're seeing. Go look at the box scores. Uh, it's happening. And then some of these things you think like a sure thing. I mean, raise your hand if you started Brandon Woodruff yesterday in DFS because you were like, oh, this will work out well. My, oh, my, that hurt me. That hurt my tout team. I was I was actually having a really really good day in tout, um, and and then uh, that killed Woodruff. one of my that killed one of my fifteen team drafted holds. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, so yeah. it's all over the place right now. Even with it, it kind of stinks because you're trying to you're trying to figure out where the you know where the profits are. So if the league's hitting two twenty two and everybody's pitching well, it's like okay, great. Uh, but you know that's why that's why. Um, Josh Fleming has a win, and Shane McClanahan doesn't have a win. Mm-hmm. This is why. Um, one of the guys that went seven innings yesterday was none other than friend of the podcast, Kyle Gibson, uh, who went seven innings and struck out ten. So Yeah, uh, and if we're thinking about – I don't know if any Rays pitchers have a two-start week next week. I don't I don't recall, but, yeah, if, if you're facing Oakland, it's pretty much a, yeah, leave that guy in there. Uh, yeah. I mean, if Kyle Gibson can do it, obviously anybody can do it. Um, but, yeah, I don't know if any of the Rays have a two-start week next week. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm just trying to think through if, if somebody's going to be able to pull it off, but I don't think they do have a two-start week. But it's because Corey Kluber pitched A, which means he gets the White Sox over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm not seeing a two-start thing. But, again, Tampa Bay is, is also not letting their guys go. So, yeah. You'd be better off starting Josh Fleming than you would Shane McClanahan, anyhow. Which is something, you know, if, if you're if you're win seeking, uh, especially at the end of the week and head to head leagues, um, it may be a better strategy instead of streaming starters, streaming kind of middle relievers, and then trying to, you know, find those teams uh, going up against bad teams like Oakland, like Pittsburgh, uh, 
and looking at who their bulk guy is uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and taking the shot there. So I uh, highly recommend doing that kind of work if, uh, if you're seeking wins, especially in your head-to-head category leagues at the end of the week. Um, Eliza Hernandez uh, is at Minnesota and then home versus Cincinnati. Any interest there? Uh, yes. Is that, is that how the schedule is lining up? I believe so, if I'm, if I'm correct. I could be wrong, though. I'm seeing the Angels and the Phillies. Okay. Maybe I messed that one up. But if you want to confirm, uh, I'm not as excited. Yes, as... A- yes Angels versus the Phillies. Okay, I'm not terribly that. excited about that. Could be wrong, but not terribly excited about that matchup. That's yeah, runs through, especially the Philly. I mean, we saw what the yeah we saw what they did against Oakland pitching, um, but that's what their offense can do. Uh, and then the Angels are, are similarly similarly front loaded as well. Uh, I would believe I could find better options there. Uh, so I was I was lying about two start weeks. There are some, you know, Ryan Yarbrough's got a two start week. Um, Ryan Yarbrough and Luis Patino both have two start weeks this week. Oakland and, and the White Sox. Uh, I would take either one of those guys over Hernandez against those teams. Yeah, I, I would too. Um, I I was more excited with Hernandez when I had the incorrect matchups. Uh, but Philly's offense, man, they look super super powerful. The Angels look really really good uh, offensively right now too. Um, but Yarbrough, I'd be su- I'd be very interested. I might be if I'm win seeking, I might be less interested in Patino. I just don't know how deep the Rays let him go, especially the first. Yeah, couple he's times got, well, again. He's got one of the one of those starts here against Oakland. Uh, and I agree. Yeah. There's a depth. There's a depth thing that it's all in his control. I've seen some innings mm-hmm. where Patino's gone out there and and has been able to get out in 15 pitches, and I've seen others where he's pushing 30. It's all it's all up to him. Uh, and with Yarbrough, with the with the newfound velocity that he's had in spring training, I want to see how that plays out. Um, I don't. I'm not going to see. I think I get McClanahan when I'm there on Thursday, which would be great. Um, or I get Kluber. I don't know. Exa- no, Kluber pitches today. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. I may get McClanahan. I forget when I get on Thursday. But I, yeah, with Yarbrough, um, so that'll be tomorrow. I want to see what he uh, his velocity is holding up and, and or if it was just a spring training gun. Uh, but he did look better uh, in spring training than he did in the second half of last season. I, I maybe they Maybe they use an opener. I mean, given they have. I would hope so. Know, they're carrying 15, 16 pitchers right now. There's no reason why they can't use an opener in front of them. They had uh, my the guy that I really want on a team that I don't have yet, Jason Adam, uh, and go watch him pitch, and you'll see why. Uh, I really want to see what happens with him. But they had him warming up yesterday in the eighth next to Kittredge. Uh, if the Rays would have scored in the ninth inning, uh, in the eighth, the bottom of the eighth, Adam would have come in to finish that game. So I would expect Adam to pitch today. But if he doesn't pitch today – there's a good chance, or maybe even if he does pitch today, there's a good chance he comes in and opens on Monday for Yarbrough. Hmm. I, I mean, I, I would prefer him to have an opener. We, we saw it last year, just how much more effective he was when he had an opener in front of him. Uh, historically, it plays out. You look at the data historically, yep. it absolutely plays out. I know sometimes you – uh, you know, they don't have the roster flexibility, but right now they do. They absolutely have it right mm-hmm. now. Uh, and if you have it, use it. Absolutely. Um, I, I mean, Patino is one of my most rostered pitchers, so I'm, I'm, I definitely will be using him for this two-step. I don't know that he's available in any league for me to pick up, but maybe in shallower formats, he's a guy. You want to attack Oakland this year, you know? I, I mean, 
this is going to be a common theme when you hear people talking about streamers uh, and two starts. You want to attack Oakland this year. It is one of the worst lineups in baseball. Oakland, Pittsburgh. I mean, you really mm-hmm. can't. You kind of Baltimore, kind of. Uh, especially uh, Baltimore sneaky got some. Offense. Yeah, it it depends. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, your matchup wise, but like I said, it's it's like Pittsburgh and Oakland. It's like absolutely. It's like oh yeah, they're facing that great. I don't care who else. I don't care who the second matchup is. Mm-hmm. Uh, with that, but those are two. It's it's going to get worse as before it gets better because you know Brian Reynolds is going to go away, and uh, you know if I'm Oakland, I've already sold everything else. Why not listen to other offers? I mean, they still got Montas. They're going to move. They could potentially move Sean Murphy. Who knows? You'd hate to see it, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jordan Hicks has a two-start versus Kansas City and then versus Milwaukee. Uh, he was, uh, you know, he made the rotation. Uh, I was a little surprised that that's the route they're going. An interest in Jordan Hicks. No, he's got to build up. He's got to get stretched out. I mean, to me, this is a 12 to 15 batter's face situation at the most. Uh, and and see where that goes, um, but no, uh, I want to see. I mean, we know that he can throw hard. That's never been in question. Can he command it consistently? Uh, and the fact that he's got to try to stay stay in uh, a game longer. But I'm I'm thinking this is three to four innings outings, uh, both of these. And it's so a- that's that. You know, you may get some strike. You may get some strikeouts there. You, you you could. I mean, there's definitely the, the potential for strikeouts in, in both of those lineups. But that's it. That's what you're hoping for. At this one, he's just a glorified opener until he stretches out. Um, I, I, I think it was DJ Short. Um, my, yeah, th- I think it was DJ Short that mentioned uh, the longest he went in any of his spring starts was an inning and a third. Wow. So um, I, I just – I. He may go two innings, max three innings in these starts. So uh, there's no chance you're going to get a win. Um, you know, like like I said, you're going to get strikeouts, which is which is fine. Um, but I, I just can't imagine there isn't a better two start matchup uh, on, on your you know on your waiver wire somewhere. I mean, do uh, something like this. You got uh, you know our boy. He's no longer your boy. He's our boy. Our boy Andrew Heaney, right? Andrew mm-hmm. Heaney has the Twins and the Reds. I'm going there. I'm going yep. there before I'm going to Jordan Hicks. Absolutely. I completely agree. Um, Adrian Hauser has at Baltimore and then home versus St. Louis. Uh, we just mentioned Baltimore is not the walkover that it once was. Any interest in Hauser? Uh, yes, somewhat. Uh, I would say obviously more in NL only league. Mm-hmm. Kind of where you have to. I mean, there's you don't have a lot of choices, but if you if he somehow, I mean, he's not going to be a free agent in NLD. He's going to be on somebody's mm-hmm. roster. So if you're looking at, do I want to use him this week? Uh, there, I say absolutely. In a, in a mixed league, in a 12, no. In a 15, yeah, I can take a chance uh, on that because you know Hauser's pitching style in particular should keep him out of trouble against what can get you into trouble with Baltimore. Yes. I could, I completely agree there. I I think he's a borderline fifteen guy, probably not a twelve guy. Um, but yeah, I mean, he looked pretty good in spring. Um, and I mean, this is why he's in the rotation. Uh, and while it's not a great matchups, um, in in it is in bad parts. Uh, it's not the worst of matchups. Like if you're really desperate, but mm-hmm. 
I also like to think I also like to stay a little bit more conservative with my streaming earlier on in the season. I just think you you run you can run into so much problems and put yourself behind the eight ball yeah. as opposed to getting yourself ahead. So uh I, I, I tend to play a little more conservative. What about Dakota Hudson versus Pittsburgh and then versus Milwaukee? Uh, this was, um, I, honestly, I kind of forgot about Dakota Hudson <laughs> during draft season. Um, and, and this may be a mistake. Are you interested in Hudson? Uh, I'd, I'd still take Hauser uh, over Hudson okay. here. Uh, I, I know we just said, hey, it's Pittsburgh. But then we also had Baltimore in that in that capacity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other start is at Milwaukee. So I would take Hauser out of this situation like five out of seven times between these two. Yeah, I, I think you're probably right there. I've never been a Dakota Hudson guy. and um, So, uh, Michael Walker at Detroit and then home versus Minnesota. Any interest there? You know, that's that's intriguing with depending on what they're get, which Waka they're going to get. I mean, remember, we talked about Waka last year. Um, you know, Waka was garbage uh, until he got rid of his garbage cutter. And once he threw away the cutter, then he was like, oh, hey, this got intriguing. Uh, and so, and then Boston picked up on that much like that's when they grabbed Nick Pavetta and they, they've, they've, uh, made Nick Pavetta serviceable. I mean, I, that's one of the things that they, it's, they're similar pitchers, right? And, and so they've made Nick Pavetta serviceable. So for Waka that he likes to work up and down and change speeds, you know, this could be, you look at that Detroit matchup, you're like, you know, he could probably strike out like eight guys in that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, with that and at Detroit, you know, allows him to pitch up and down because you know that kind of and where he likes to pitch, you know, the the type of he can take advantage center field uh, and keep the ball in the yard. It's the it's the home against Minnesota one that concerns me. I want to see what happens what he's pitching uh, at Fenway. But that said, when he was a member of my favorite team, he tended to pitch pretty well at Fenway for whatever reason. Uh, against that so you know yeah sign me up for this the, this matchup this week yeah i i think i'm with you on this one uh walker looked pretty good in spring um and uh i mean these aren't you know great matchups but they're not matchups that i'm super afraid of either so uh i think of of the ones we've talked about uh he's probably my favorite of the streamers i think zach thompson's the only one that's kind of close uh, in, in that regard. So I, yeah, at least I Waka get the run support. Uh, you mm-hmm. would you would expect, but yeah, I mean these this could be a nice sneaky, nice sneaky uh, two start week. Yeah. What about Chris Flexen at Minnesota and then home versus Houston? Uh, that's a tough one. The Minnesota one, Minnesota is yet to really start hitting the ball. Uh, it's been, I was listening to the, I was watching a little bit yesterday and listening to the rest of it on the way to the minor league game last night and heard the, the Buxton home run call, which was great. And then by the time mm-hmm. I got in, into the, the, the tap room, they had given up that lead. So I was like, ugh. uh, and, and Houston is, is pretty, put a nice, put up some nice numbers in this, uh, this opening series against the angels. So uh, this is one I would prefer to sit out. Yeah, I I think the matchups, especially the Houston matchup, dictates uh, kind of going away from it. I like Chris Flexen. I think he's going to yeah. be uh, very serviceable over the course of the season, uh, especially for deeper league uh, players. But, um, yeah, Houston's lineup is still 
pretty I, I would say this is a good example of go with a good quality reliever over a two-star guy. Uh, and yep. if you're in a mix, this would be a good example of, you know, hey, I'm going to go with this guy uh, and look for, especially, again, now that there's a lot of pitching by committee, you could pick up a, a win or a save uh, out of this because of the way guys are being used. I mean, I, I'm losing count of how many box scores I'm going through and seeing five and six pitchers being used. So take advantage of it now while it's here. Just like we did last year. We coached, we preached this, well, we preached mm -hmm. it in 2020. We preached it early in 2021 as well. Until these guys get adjusted, we have these expanded pitching staffs. It's a nice, if you, if you can figure it out, you know, some ways to steal some nice wins uh, or a handful to get a save. Like if somebody had, well, you know, the, the, the good and the bad of it, if you had Tony Santian, you're like, oh, wow, hey, I got that save. That Oh, God, I got that that ratio the next day when he came out and opened the next game and got blasted. Right. Mm -hmm. So it can go both ways. Yeah. Um, Carlos Hernandez versus Cleveland and then versus Detroit. Any interest there? Oh man, I, I want to, this is a guy that I spent a lot of, into, uh, I, I have a lot vested in Carlos Me Hernandez, too. a lot vested in Carlos Hernandez. Uh, I, I, do want to go with this two-start week because Cleveland is having their struggles hitting and, and Detroit hasn't really blown the doors off of anything yet either. So this feels like, and this is, if you're not going to start him this week against these matchups, when are you going to? Because this yep. is what he's going to do this season. Cleveland, Detroit, these are his division mates. He's going to have a lot of this. Uh, and so you have to, you have to be able to start him here because if you can't, then this is going to come up like three or four more times. Then why do you have him? So, yep. yes, give me the two-star Carlos Hernandez this week. Uh, fingers crossed uh, that he can go five. I just don't know if that's going to happen yet. He did not have a good spring. But I, it's he was Arizona. Awful he was awful, awful, awful this yeah. spring. Uh, uh, so keep that in mind. Uh, he's got to come out and turn it around. Uh, I don't know if they have another option like, hey, you're up, you're down uh, with that. But keep in mind, he did not have a good spring. I really want to chalk that up to it was Arizona. Uh, but understand, last year, you know, when he when he was firing out of the bullpen, when he was getting all the strikeouts out of the bullpen. Then when he switched to the rotation, the strikeouts went down and the walks were still there, but the outcomes were good. And mm -hmm. when you watched him pitch, you could see it. I mean, he was a guy that I sat down and watched pitch like five times as a starter um, because I was just very intrigued with a. When I heard he was going to the rotation, I had seen his last relief. I. I think I got him for like $4 in fab. And I was like, all right, let me watch this. And the first outing, I was like, oh, this is really, this is, he's holding up well as a starter. And then I just kept tuning into Kansas City games when he was pitching because I wanted to see how it was going to work out. And I, I think he's on half my rosters this year. So um, I need this to work, but I, I'm not trying to, I'm not wish casting this into, uh, he's going to be in my teams this week. I'm not benching him. Yeah, I'm, I'm starting too. He's one of my more rostered pitchers uh, as well. I know the spring was brutal, but I think you nailed it kind of right on the head. Um, if you can't start him for this two-step, you, you he shouldn't be on your team. So uh, I, I'm going to roll with him this week. Uh, you know, he gets that first start against Cleveland, um, who has scored a total of two runs so far this uh, uh Very mid-season form. Yeah. So, I, I mean, if you can't start him against Cleveland and then – uh, you know, and, and Detroit, I just don't know how you're going to roster him rest of the way. So, um, yeah, I, th I think now's the time to start Carlos Hernandez and kind of hope and pray. So what about Taylor Hearn? He's home versus Colorado and then home versus the Angels. Uh, I'm going to go with a, 
a pass for now. Uh, mm-hmm. But I am – it's it's tough. It's like I want to go for a pass for now, but I am intrigued by him the rest of the season. Because uh, I want to see – I, I want to see how he handles this particular week. But I, I saw him pitch twice in spring training. Uh, and I, I'm intrigued by his his 2022 potential. Uh, you know, I guess thankfully for him, he got to he gets to avoid this Toronto mess because that's this has mm-hmm. not been a pretty series uh, for them. Colorado in Texas should be nice, but then he's got the Angels. Um, I could like in an American League. If I'm an AL only, I want him in my lineup this week. I don't want him in a mix. I think I would start him in a 15 team mix, and he he's one of the guys, and he's third or fourth on this list of guys we've talked about today for me in terms of uh, two start guys. Um, uh, he looked pretty good in spring. Uh, you know, he's got, you know, he's pitching both of these starts at home, which is a good ballpark. Colorado, you know, j- just had a series at home, is now going to be on the road, which, you know, is always something I like to attack is that first or second game of Colorado leaving home and going on the road. So, um, yeah, the Angels one is a little bit scary. If you're playing in a daily moves format, you might want to, uh, you might want to skip the second start of the two. But the first one's enticing enough for me if I'm looking for a two-start streamer to take a gamble in a deeper league. Obviously, ten and twelve, probably you're going to want to, you know, go to other guys. But uh, I think this one's a little bit interesting for your deeper league guys and in DFS, especially that early start. Yeah, uh, let's talk about some uh, bullpens real quick uh, because, as expected, there are a lot of there is a lot of closer chaos. Uh, let's start with your favorite team. Uh, we've now seen two different guys get saves, right? So who is the guy that you're most interested in, in rostering, or is this just going to be a straight committee again? Uh, yes. Uh, so <laughs> we've had two games. Uh, the, but the, honestly, the usage hasn't surprised me. All right. So opening day, they're tied with Baltimore and Andrew Kittridge, Kittridge came in in the eighth inning. Uh, and again, if, if you follow this team, this should not surprise you. Kevin Cash is not going to keep his best reliever uh, because Kittridge is the best guy in the bullpen. I mean, that I'm not going to argue. Uh, it's just that he's not going to hold him to the ninth inning. He's going to use him the best leverage situation. That's exactly what he did. Uh, and then it, it worked out because here comes the ninth inning. Uh, and then they had... Uh, JP Fireisen start the ninth inning, but they have Brooks Raley warming up. So if Fireisen couldn't go one, two, three, Mullins was coming up fourth. Uh, they brought in Raley. Raley struck out Mullins. Game over. Raley got the save. That's the move I was talking about earlier because in Tout, we have the swing position. And on a short weekend, I figured, you know what? Brooks Raley was a guy that I was going to, I was going to draft. I had him on my draft list for Tout. It just never made it, never got to that point. Uh, and so I said, with a short weekend, I can afford to go with 10th pitcher. So I picked up mm-hmm. – Brooks Raley was a tertiary bid for me uh, because of all the activity and talent. I lost all the other ones. So I got Brooks Raley for $1 in a $1,000 fab scale. I threw him in swing, and he got me a save. Yay. That, well, how can you not – that's the best thing that could ever happen. So now I got him. I can reserve him because I have uh, Giolito that I can you – know, I'm going to put to the, the IL or – Lance Lynn, one of the two White Sox pitchers. I've got one of them. I forget which one I have, but one of them, I'll, I'll keep Rayleigh really in. Uh, but that's that's kind of a short weekend move I was talking about. But yesterday, uh, it was 5-2, uh, 
And they had, in the eighth inning, they had Andrew Kittredge and Jason Adam warming up. And I, I said this earlier, I think we were on air at the point mm-hmm. where if the Rays had scored in the bottom of the eighth, Jason Adam was going to come in. If And Kittredge came in the ninth inning. But Kittredge did give up uh, a double uh, to uh, uh, Jorge Mateo, and he gave up another double, I think to Austin Hayes, I forget. Uh, one of them was soft hit, one of them was hard hit. Uh, but he gave up two doubles in there. And then if he did not get, if he did not strike out DJ Stewart at the end of the game, which was probably what the outcome was going to be anyhow, Brooks Raley was coming in again to face Cedric Mullins. Cedric Mullins was on deck. Raley was in the bullpen. Uh, and he could have been two for two with saves and I would have been giddy. Uh, but he struck, but Kittred struck out DJ Stewart and game was over. But that's where the, so, so far it appears that Kittredge is the preferred closer. But he is not the only guy that's going to get the ball in the ninth inning. So, so far, we've seen three different pitchers get the ball in the ninth inning based on matchups. We've seen Kittredge, we've seen Fire Eyes, we've seen Rayleigh. Three pitchers in two games start get the ball in the ninth inning. So, that's what you can expect. Kittredge, again, is the preferred. But if they're in late and close games in the in the eighth inning, he's coming in there. I don't, I, I don't expect we'll see Kittredge in the seventh inning or the sixth, as we saw sometimes last year. But I... Yeah, who knows? But that's how it's playing out so far. Uh, and some of those guys, we haven't even seen some of the other arms uh, come out of the pen yet. So it'll be curious to see. Um, worth it. Colin Pochet looks really good already down in, in Durham. It sucks that Colby White had TJ surgery. Uh, Colby White was a guy having three different drafting holds. Took him in like the 49th or 50th round. I was super excited. This is a guy that struck out 100, 110 guys in 60 innings last year across the minors. Uh, and he had TJ surgery very late in, in spring training. So that sucks. So um, if you're looking for somebody to come up, Tommy Romero is going to be a name that will come up eventually along with Poche and Ian Seymour, but uh, no Colby White. Um, so that sucks. But, yeah, it's going to be another closer by committee in Tampa Bay, and just that's what it is. Every year they have 10-plus guys getting saves. It's, it's not going to change. Yeah, I, I right there with you. I you know, I picked up uh, Rayleigh in a in a really cheap league or a really deep league for cheap, um, and lucked into a save right there as well. Uh, but uh, I I just don't trust. I mean, Kitchell's going to lead the bullpen, but he may lead it with like eighteen saves. So I'll tweet it out. There's been forty five different pitchers get a save in the in the Kevin Cash era. Forty five different pitchers, uh, and yeah. the uh, Alex Colomay is the runaway leader. But when I looked at it, I want to pull up this leaderboard again. I think there's something along the lines of like six guys have double digits. That's it. Six. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there just hasn't been. All right. Here's the, here's the stat head report I pulled out. Colomay, 95. Boxberger, 41. Diego Castillo, 26. Sergio Romo, 25. Emilio Pagan, all in one season, 20. Jose Alvarado, 15. Andrew Kittredge now has 10. So it was six guys. Andrew Kittredge is now the seventh guy. Everybody else is single digits. Yeah. What about Texas? Any inkling on what do you think they're going to do? I mean, uh, their manager said that Joe Barlow is not necessarily the closer uh, there. This sounds like a committee between um, Barlow, Matt Bush, and Greg Holland. Any any idea on who you would go after in Fab? Uh, I'm still going with Barlow. Barlow hadn't even pitched yet. Uh, of the, of the two, that's the thing. Greg Holland pitched and didn't pitch well. Uh, Matt Bush has pitched. Uh, Brett Martin has come into a game. Josh uh, Spores, who 
didn't look good. Came I watched his outing. That did mm -hmm. uh, so he's pitched. But Barlow's the one guy who hasn't pitched. Like to me, they can say he's not the closer, but the fact that he's the only guy that hasn't pitched kind of tells me he is the closer. Whether he whether they're saying he is or not, you know, Texas has not had a lead late in the games, and Barlow's the one guy who hasn't pitched. So he's either hurt or he's the closer. So mm -hmm. I, to me, I'm reading between the lines. He's the closer. He can, he could be. Hopefully, we'll get some more information uh, if they're leading uh, today. But that doesn't seem like it against Toronto. So no, uh, like I said, you know, long term interest. Uh, I, I still, I know he's in the minors, but I, I'm still a Demarcus Evans believer. <laughs> and if it's tough to stash, but keep an eye. Like if you, I know CBS has this, and I know that um, uh, NFBC has it watch list or you know, CBS calls it mm -hmm. scout team. Uh, NFBC calls it watch list, but whatever, put these guys on sort of reminder of like, hey, this, uh, but you can keep an eye, but keep an eye and see what DeMarcus Evans is doing because I'm still a believer in DeMarcus Evans. Yeah. Um, Cincinnati, we uh, we saw Cetillion, uh get a save, um, and uh, but there's still a lot of people on the art Warren bandwagon. This feels like just a straight up committee. Is there someone you're going uh, to, uh, you know, pick up in Fab this week, or are you staying away from this whole situation? Uh, I would stay. Yeah, I mean, like I said, preseason, Louis Sessa was the guy that I kept recommending to everybody. Uh, Louis Sessa was the guy that I wanted, and I'm still on the Louis Sessa wagon because wins and saves like to me he's a decisions guy uh so mm -hmm. he may not get that but yeah he could be a decisions guy uh kind of like a hybrid between you know it's like sergio romo just Mero petite type of guy where he could get some wins he could get some saves uh type of thing he is you know he did pitch on thursday hasn't pitched again yet art warren is yet to appear uh mm -hmm. but everybody else like you said everybody else has pitched uh with lucas sims still being on the il if everybody were healthy Lucas Sims is still the best option there. Uh, but I, you know, if I could get a late, a cheap dart, I did take Louis Sessa in a couple of drafting holds. Uh, and I think in the one and only I have. So I do have a few shares of him. Uh, the way that Cincinnati is probably going to use him this year. Uh, you know, if you're a bad team, you're what's the use of having a primary closer? Uh, so, yeah, Sessa's a guy that I still want. And I still recommend others have him too. It's interesting. I was thinking about dropping Sessa today. Um, because I, I drafted him late in, in a number of leagues, uh, and you know, I'm, I'm looking to maybe stream some two starters. Uh, maybe that's one I've got to reevaluate before Fab runs tonight. But that's the other thing, if they're that's another guy they could look at fluffing up his value, then moving at the deadline, too. There's there's that's true value, there's value in him. We, he's pitched in contender, uh, he's pitched in a tough ballpark, uh, you know, he's he's shown durability, so there's value in fluffing him up and, and moving him, too. Yeah. Uh, I just I don't think anybody on this team hits twenty saves. I just I'd be oh god no, I, I don't see that either. I I, th I think you're going to see a lot of guys with eight, nine, ten saves, uh, and that's just not a situation I want to delve too deep into. Uh, what about Seattle? We've now seen them get two guys, uh, two guys get saves uh, in Seattle. Uh, any read on that, or is that just a straight committee like it was last year? Yeah, I think it's a, a – because I, I watched Steckenrider's outing on Friday, uh, and it looked good to me. I mean, especially the 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 changeup looked particularly good. 
with him. So I liked his outing. I did not, again, I was listening to the game yesterday, so I didn't get to see what uh, Diego Castillo was doing. Uh, Velocity-wise, it looks, I'm, I'm seeing 95.5. Um, on things so that's and he struck out two of the guys that he faced so I mean that's a solid outing for him the velocity is back up because I want to say he was sitting like 93 94 as we got to the end of last season so that's an encouraging sign um, but again committee I saw I did see Seawald pitch I watched him pitch the the eighth inning on Friday um, with that and so they had him there then they've used Romo so they've used all their bullpen all their active bullpen uh, right now late um the you know Munoz came in and worked, but Munoz gave up the home run to the Buxton uh, yesterday too. So you know maybe that pushes him down the chart a little bit. So I still think it's a, a Steckham Rider Castillo situation. That's how I looked at it coming into the season too, uh, because Seaball just has too much value in in his, the way he can work in the seventh and eighth inning. I just didn't see him. And the only reason he got the saves last year was because the other the way guys were getting hurt. But Seaball was picking up a bunch of wins last year in late leverage as Seattle continued to win those late and close games. Um, but there's still too much value in him to, to be able to do that and pitch multiple innings, whereas Castillo was not a multiple inning guy. Uh, Steckenrider could be, but Castillo's definitely not. Um, I would apply the same rule. I don't see anybody getting 20-plus saves here either, uh, but I yep. see multiple guys with double-digit saves. Yep, I completely agree. Um In Minnesota, we saw Tyler Duffy get the first save opportunity and promptly blow it. Um, is he the guy? Are they going to go back to him, or is this going to be a committee, or do we have someone else who emerges? Yeah, I mean, if you watch, uh, I hate, I'm not going to be able to pronounce his first name, John. I'm just going to say John uh, mm-hmm. Duran. My goodness, holy cow, that split sinker, whatever it's, splinker, I think he calls it. My goodness, what a pitch. Uh, I mean, he opening day was fantastic, uh, but he's also extremely inexperienced. Uh, we have Jorge Alcala, who you know I've been talking about mm-hmm. all offseason. He pitched, you know, 13 pitches and did his job. Uh, Pagan is yet to pitch, but he's probably still in, tran- uh, in transit uh, coming from San Diego uh, to there. So they do have their options. I mean, best stuff is, is Duran, and it's probably not even close. Uh, but I'm, I'm, not, I'm not ready to give up on the Alcala after touting them all winter uh, and saying this is the guy that I want. This is the guy that I have in, in 50% of my leagues. Uh, and, and again, I'm not wish casting him into this role. Duffy has got good stuff and can get strikeouts and has done it before too. But uh, Alcala had such a fantastic second half. I think he's earned the right to uh, to get the next opportunity. But we'll see what Rocco does. But I'll just remind everybody, Rocco's from the Kevin Cash coaching tree. Uh, yep. And surprise, they were never married to Taylor Rogers. It was always a, a relationship of convenience because he was on the team. Uh and they, there was always other guys getting saves as well, and they traded him. Just like we talked about the strong possibility of that happening, and it happened on opening day of all days, but uh, it happened. I think the one guy we can fully roll out is Caleb Thielbar. Uh, as the only lefty in the pen, uh, he's definitely going to get that lefty bias where, sorry, son, we need you for the matchups. So mm-hmm. unless it's like a Cedric Mullen situation like Brooks Raley just came into, you know, that type of thing. But other than that, I don't see how he's a factor. Uh, but uh, we'll see what happens if they have a lead today. Who's who's the next guy up? I I really don't expect it to be Pagan. I know Paul's talked about it. And you've talked about it. Mm-hmm. Guys with a one eight home run rate do not last long in the closer role. I mean, he, yeah, he got twenty saves in two thousand nineteen for Tampa Bay. It's one thing pitching in Tropicana Field. 
it's another pitching and target field uh, and, 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 and guaranteed rate park. You know, there, there are some uh, situations where he that not going to play well uh, for him. So he may get a handful, but I would be stunned to see Pagan get primary saves just because the, the, the risk of home runs is too great. Yeah. I, this has the feeling of another committee. It just really does. I mean, and Wouldn't like you mentioned, me. Baldelli's from that Tampa Bay system. Um, and, uh, I think we all got really excited about Taylor Rogers because he was still on the team, and you know, it looked like he uh, potentially could be the guy there in Minnesota. But the fact that they traded him on opening day tells you exactly what they think, which is a reliever is a reliever, and they're just going to ride the hot hand or go with the guy who uh, matches up better right now. And so, I like a call a lot. Um, I've also got Tyler Duffy on like five teams uh, in D.C. So um, I was highly invested in him early on in draft season. But I don't I don't know that we see any reliever in Minnesota get to 20 saves this year. So um, if you want to you want to play the game, just know that there's a really good chance that uh, you're you're wasting fab uh, on a guy who's probably sharing the role. Yeah. Uh, Boston is another tricky situation. I think everybody thought Matt Barnes was going to be the guy. Uh, but the uh, uh, Alex Cora came out and said that you know they hope that Barnes becomes the guy, but right now there is no guy. Um, oh, it's so, gonna be Garrett Whitlock. How about Garrett Whitlock getting an extension? Ooh, Whitlock's extension, including twenty-two salaries, guaranteed at eighteen point seven five million in total. He has earnings potential of forty-four and a half million through the twenty twenty-eight season. Not bad for a guy the Yankees let get, uh, left exposed in a Rule Five draft pick. Wow, is this this is just happening right now? Just like in, uh, within the last thirty minutes. Wow. Okay. Well, maybe um, uh, I don't. Know. Are they still toying with him in the rotation? Or I? It's so hard to figure out what Boston's doing. If I'm taking a if I'm taking a dart throw at someone, it's probably Hansel Robles. Uh huh. Uh, That's exactly who I was gonna say. But I I, I mean. Um, I don't know that I want to take many dart throws at this. I, you know, Hansel Robles cheap for you know a few bucks uh, in a twelve or a fifteen isn't going to hurt you. Um, uh, but I, I really don't know what they're doing. Whitlock would be a great answer. I hope they go to Whitlock, even though I don't have him on any teams. Um, but he he would be the correct answer for them. Uh, but this has the feeling of uh, a role that not isn't not necessarily is going to be a committee. Which just switches hands a bunch. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna say Robles because everybody else may be focused on the other options, but Robles is sitting there dirt cheap, uh, and I can't help but think back to watching him uh, in the postseason uh, when when kicked my favorite team out of the postseason. Robles looked really, really good in the postseason uh, to me. I know the overall numbers last year did not look good. You look at him, you're like, ew, that's disgusting. But when you look at what he did, even in Boston, the overall numbers were, uh, he still has a problem with the walks. You know, he was still 4.7 per nine, but he was striking out a lot more guys. The strikeout rate went up from, uh, the strikeout rate last year as the twin was 23%, went to 30% uh, as a member of Boston. But like I said, he looked really good in the postseason and he's he's been there, he's done it before. You know, uh, 37 saves, uh, 38 saves over the past three seasons uh, in total. Uh, so it wouldn't surprise me if he got the opportunity. Because, again, I it, I would hate to see a guy like Whitlock limited to 
the ninth inning because they have, you know, they've got a bridge that they need something to get there too. And they may need him. They may need him in the rotation. Uh, so we'll see where it goes with Whitlock, but Robles, if you, if you have a ability to stash, maybe worth it. Yeah. Um, what about Baltimore? Uh, this is, uh, you know, a situation where they traded the, you know, two of the guys that people thought were going to be in play for saves, uh, and they, tra- I think, on opening day, I traded both of those guys away, or maybe that morning, yes. yeah. Um, so, who do you think emerges in Baltimore? Uh, and is there anybody that's even worth picking up, considering how we have bad we expect Baltimore to be? So, I would say yes. Uh, there is in a deep in a in a twelve team mix. I don't know how you can do it. I know saves are saves are saves, but. I don't know how you can do it, but I would say this. And I know the the early numbers were bad, uh, but I was I liked what I saw from Jorge Lopez uh, on <laughs> on Saturday, or is that is it yesterday? Oh, Lopez, I forget if it was Friday uh, when he pitched. So Jorge Lopez came in, uh, and the the outcomes were unfortunate. Yeah, it was Friday he pitched. The outcomes were unfortunate, but the inning he could have been out of the inning unscathed, uh, and. And it happened where, you know, it was a, a bleeder here. The strike zone got really small on it. Like he got squeezed a couple of times. Uh, then there was an uh, infield, essentially a swinging bunt by a Rosarena. Swing and bunt got bases loaded and nobody out. But when I'm watching, when I'm watching Lopez and watching him touch 99 and then watching him throw a really good changeup, he hit three pitches. I mean, remember, Lopez used to be a starting pitcher. Uh, and they decided, hey, let's go to the bullpen. But he looked much better even in that short stint uh, as a reliever than he does as a starter. So I'm – and the other guys like Dylan Tate, whatever. Dylan Tate to me is – is um, he doesn't – just doesn't throw hard enough. He's a guy that you want to bring in to get ground balls type of thing. And I don't believe in anybody else in that situation. But Jorge Lopez looked a lot better than the results – then the outcomes show. And so if I want to take a, if I'm in an ale only league or a deeper mixed league, that's the guy that I'm going to hang my hat on uh, because you know, that that'll play 99 with the change up and the kind of t- reads like Hansel Robles uh, type of situation. But I was impressed with what I saw, even though the outcomes say like, Oh my God, why? Um, mm-hmm. It's just, it's just one of those things where everything that could go wrong in that outing did. Um, and it, it, and you think about that, you're like, okay, yeah, it's Baltimore. These things will happen. But, you know, you can't predict swinging bunts. You can't predict a Rosarena beating out a swing, but you can't predict an umpire going to squeeze a guy uh, a couple of times where he's not getting the calls. Uh, it, you know, it, it worked out uh, for my club. It didn't work out for Jorge Lopez, but he should not lose his chance at the committee based off that one outing. I'm sorry. Uh, his stuff's too good uh, for that. And maybe they do let him. Uh, become the primary guy because if you're going to try to build somebody up to trade them, it's going to be that team. <laughs> that team's going to be the one to do it. But again, I was impressed. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I was originally th- when this trade happened, I said it was going to be Paul Fry. I think Fry's going to get saves, um, but I think it's going to be matchups dependent with Lopez getting probably two thirds of uh, of the saves to Paul Fry's one third. I don't take like. I know he's kind of still a sexy name to people, even though he's 27 because he was such a high pick. But he's just, I don't think he's going to be the guy. I think it's going to be shared between Fry and Lopez, with Lopez getting a lion's share of, of that uh, job. Just, you know, probably to do exactly what you just said, which is trade him away. Get his value as high as possible. 
and then trade them away for you know more buildable assets. This is a, a Baltimore team that is quietly becoming very interesting to watch, uh, but they're going to continue to grab more assets to try to strengthen and bolster um, uh, the farm system uh, and then the major league team as well. I mean, as the, the velocity, we were talking about Lopez last year looking at the StatCast, his average fastball was 95.3 uh, out of the bullpen on Friday, 98.5. 98.5 was the average. So, like, he's throwing three miles an hour harder out of the bullpen. Uh, and it, I, I don't, one ball in play, just like the, the, it's funny that we can already see sliders. That's the funny thing. One appearance, and I can already see 2022 sliders from Jorge Lopez. 90, <laughs> 96, he's got very low average exit velocity, but he's got no strikeouts. He's one percentile walks and strikeouts, whiffs. It's kind of funny to see this. Uh, we have sliders based on 23 pitches. Um, but, yeah, he, he's throwing harder, and uh, I definitely would give him another chance. Absolutely. All right, that's going to wrap us up for this episode. Jason, where can you reach, and what are you working on right now? Uh, I am working on vacation right now. Uh, so I, I am flying to Fort Myers tomorrow. I'll be down there to until Friday night. and uh, But I am working on that article about uh, offense, uh, looking at home runs and trying to write that out to say, look, Here's what we're seeing so far, um, and I really want to try to publish it Thursday so I can say it's been a week. This is what we're seeing. Act accordingly. Because, again, I wrote the same article last year and said we're at 6,200 home runs. That's going to be a drop plan accordingly, and it was even lower than that. Uh, and so if, if we're going to get back down to where things were previously, like uh, in some of the earlier seasons where it was in the, the mid, like I'm going to go back to 2014 here uh, and look at some of those home run totals, if the page or – here we go. So, like, uh, you know, 56-10, which is what it was in 2016. If we're going to go – or 55-85, which is what it was in 2018. You know, if we're going to go back to that level, because, again, we've been, you know, 67-66 and happy fun ball year and 59-44 last year, 400 home run. We're going to drop another 400 home runs. Where are those going? How's that going to affect what we're doing? Especially if you're one of those teams that came out of the draft, like, "Hey, I need power." Oh, I'm, this guy maybe do may, maybe he'll do this, or you're over projecting somebody. I, I think I told one of our listener friends, listener Craig, the other day. You know, we may have like three guys that hit 40 home runs this year. Jordan Alvarez, I can safely say, will be one of those three. Is my opinion. Is that's what we were talking about. But uh, that's the kind of thing. It's like when people are projecting out 40 home runs, I think they mean to dial it back. Uh, this may be, we're going to be getting into the thirties and the guy hits a 40. It's a special year. Uh, we'll see how the ball, we'll see how this stuff plays out. I know you said that in the San Francisco game, the ball was flying uh, the Marlins, yeah. but that was one of the two parts. Eno said it would be an, it would be a factor in San Diego and San Francisco. It was also uh, and, a day game with no wind. Like, yeah. That wind. also helps day yeah. games. I know the ball is more active in day mm -hmm. games there. Uh, yeah, that I do recall. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, when especially those day games, there's no wind coming off the bay, the ball just flies. Uh, and I think now with the Imador, it's going to fly even more. So, if you're looking to target like hitting in DFS on a Giants day game, it's not a bad play. So, yeah, um, you can reach me on Twitter, which is Mason FWFB. Uh, I'm writing daily over at Fangrounds, which is pretty much where all my written content's going to go uh, throughout the season. Um, and you can hear me on this podcast, TGFBI podcast, and um, the Friends of Fantasy Benefits podcast. Uh, Patreon is going strong. We had an awesome um, opening day uh, uh, watch party uh, with a lot of people uh, uh, kind of joining in uh, and watching the games with us. I'm sure we'll do another one here either this week or next week. 
but you can get in on those watch parties by joining the $4.20 tier of the Patreon. And we've got some other cool things that are going to be happening with that as well. The link is in the show notes over on Fangraphs. So uh, for Jason and myself, thank you for listening. Have a fantastic baseball season. See you guys.